Welcome to the Finance Cafe podcast, the business podcast for women entrepreneurs that breaks through the money taboo and explores what's behind the numbers. Join your hosts, Shannon Peston and Shauna Frederick every week as they dive into conversations about business and finance with women entrepreneurs and the experts that support them to answer all those questions you have about the numbers and maybe some you haven't even thought of yet. With their combined experience in business, finance, and accounting, Shannon and Shauna know that financial management is more than just understanding the numbers, but understanding how our unique lived experiences, knowledge, thoughts, and behaviors around money shape the financial decisions we make in our companies. Here on the Finance Cafe podcast, presented by Canada's Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, we're changing the way we talk about business and finance, empowering women entrepreneurs to see their business in a new light one conversation at a time. Well, hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Finance Cafe podcast, where we're changing the way we talk about business and empower women entrepreneurs to see their business in a new light, one story and one number at a time. If you caught our last five tip episode, you'll recall that we talked about different strategies to help you grow your top line, your revenues. Now, in this five tip episode, we're changing the conversation a little bit to look at strategies to help you grow your bottom line. So why was it important that we picked this topic? Well, here's why. Most business owners always thinking about how to increase their earnings. That could also be translated into revenues, sales, or income. But as business owners, we're usually focused on that top line. How much money is our company making? Which is important because when sales are going up, it is showing that our company is growing through our sales volumes. A lot of entrepreneurs get really excited about being able to say, well, this year I made X number in revenue, which is double what I did last year. But what if we told you that number only shows a small part of your company's story? What if a business owner went into the bank and said, this year I made $100,000 in revenues. That's up from $50,000 last year. Sounds good so far, right? Absolutely. But what happens if the banker's reply was, that's great for your top line, but what was your bottom line? What was your net profit? This is where many business owners tend to get tripped up. Now, what's important to decipher here is that profit can be a confusing subject. And let's clarify some of the terminology. Profit is not the same as sales. Profit is not the same as income. Profit is not the same as revenue. Instead, profit is what's left over once all the expenses have been reduced from your sales income revenue. That's how we get to a company's bottom line. And this number is important because a healthy bottom line is what enables us to build up an emergency fund, reinvest in the business, to pay ourselves as owners. So the journey to uncovering the bottom line is really the relationship between our sales and the expenses we occurred over a period of time. That's why this conversation is so important because yes, it's important to focus on sales and revenue and how much money we're bringing into the company. What we want at the end of the day is to get a full picture of our company's performance. And that's where the bottom line comes in. Shauna, what would you like to add to this? Shannon, I just want to clarify because you use the term healthy bottom line. So a healthy bottom line, first of all, is going to be a positive number. 
But a healthy bottom line is going to be widely varied across every entrepreneur. So healthy means it's positive. How positive it is, is going to depend on your goals and your company. And you can't compare yourself to anybody else. I really love that you brought that up because we also know that for many of us, profit is not our number one motivator. And so Shauna, thank you for pointing out when we say healthy bottom line, it's about what that bottom line now allows us to do, how it allows us to reinvest in the company, take care of the things and the people that we care most about by paying ourselves as entrepreneurs, and also about the future direction that we want to be able to take our companies. So Shauna, when we're talking about the bottom line and talking about the top line, what financial statement, we're always going to go back to where do we get this information from? So what financial statement are we most concerned about? when we're talking about top and bottom line? Great question, Shannon. And this is where your income statement, also known as your profit and loss statement, is going to come into play. So you're going to grab your income statement and look, first of all, at the top line. That top line is going to be your revenue or your sales. Why is it called top line? Because it's usually the first number on your income statement. Remembering the income statement is the only statement that shows you your sales, your revenues, and your expenses. The income statement starts with your revenue and gradually subtracts all of your expenses, which then gets you to your bottom line, your net profit. I love it. And I want to get into the difference the top and the bottom line, but I also want to focus on this gradual reduction. You know, I think we take information for granted, but I remember when I was learning how to read financial statements, I didn't realize that everything is just flowing down on the statement. And so that top line starts with the sales and then just everything gets reduced from there. And I remember first looking at the income statement, I wasn't sure where my eyes were supposed to focus, but it made so much sense when I started to understand that everything below the revenue is that reduction. It is how all those expenses are now taking away from the revenue that you will put in your pocket at the end of it. So Shauna, we've mentioned two terms, top line and bottom line. And it's really important that we understand these terms because this is how bankers talk. This is how accountants talk. This is how investors talk. So let's get to some of the definitions. What is that difference between the top and bottom line? Great question, Shannon. So again, pull out your income statement, your top line, that's your total sales. As I mentioned, it's called top line because it's the first item on your profit and loss or your income statement. Top line equals revenue or sales. Their bottom line is your company's net profit. So your net profit or your bottom line is going to represent how much profit is left over after everything has been subtracted from your sales. So that's your cost of your products or services that were sold, administrative expenses, salaries, overhead, income taxes. And it's called the bottom line because it's the last line on your income statement or your profit and loss. So top line, very top of your income statement is your revenue. Bottom line, very last line of your income statement is your net profit. So you touched on this a little bit earlier, but the income statement, what is the income statement? Oh, great question, Shannon. So your income statement, again, is showing you all of your sales. So how much money you've made in sales, and it can be shown for a month. It can be shown for a quarter. It's shown over a period of time, so for the full year. So it's either going to show you how much you've made in that period or over that period of time. It then is going to subtract all of your expenses for the same period of time and show you how much profit you get to keep and reinvest in your company during that period of time. 
And I want to focus on this concept of period of time because, you know, as a banker, if somebody was coming in to get some money from the bank, we would always ask them for their year end financial statements. Now, each of us has a year end that we've determined for our companies. So with the year end financial statements, that looks at the income statement for a period of time for that period generally of your your full year end. But we want to be able to also focus it. You mentioned, Sean, I pull this weekly. You can pull it monthly. You can pull it bi-monthly. So with an accounting software, you can really be tracking your income statement throughout the year. You do not have to wait for your accountant to give you your year-end financial statements. So again, the importance of having accounting software like QuickBooks, FreshBooks. But Shauna, did you want to maybe add anything more about um, the timing of the income statement? Yeah, so great, Shannon, that you when you're using that accounting software, you can pull that income statement at a certain period of time. And what's great about it is that you can also do a comparison to the previous period. So again, when we're looking at, let's say we're looking at it for the 12 month period ending December 31st, you can look at December 31st for the current year and December 31st for the previous year, and you can compare to see how are my sales trending? Are they going up or down? How are my expenses trending? Are they going up or down? What's happening with my bottom line, my net profit? So great question there. And I love the fact that, again, you've brought in the importance of the accounting software because you should never be waiting till the end of the year for your year-end accountant to provide you with an income statement to show you how much profit you've made during the year. Yeah. And you and I talk so often about our financial statements tell a story. And one number on its own means nothing. So if we had our financial statements and we were just looking at one number, it doesn't tell us anything. And when we can compare, so when you talk about looking at, I can see if I'm better this year than last year, now there's that relationship because you can actually measure two points of data, whether it's time or an item on that income statement. But I want to go back. This topic is about improving the bottom line. So what does it mean to improve the bottom line? When we talk about improving the bottom line, Shannon, we can look at it in two ways. Number one, we can increase revenues, which should correspond to an increased bottom line, but we can also decrease costs and expenses, improve efficiencies in our operations, right? So all of these items are going to increase our bottom line. And it's important to note that although I said just because you're going to increase your top line, your revenue, it doesn't always mean that you're going to increase that bottom line, right? We talked about it at the top. You said, you know, I made $100,000 this year, which was $50,000 more than last year in sales. That's great. But what happened to your bottom line? Were you running as efficiently? Were you monitoring your cost or were your costs going up so that potentially that bottom line, that net profit could have decreased even though your revenues increased? Again, the importance of looking at that income statement on a month by month basis to track what's happening in your business with not only your revenues, but also your expenses. Yeah, I love that because growing that top line revenue, the profit is not going to be the same. What's left in your pocket at the end of the year will not look the same. So Shauna, let's dive into your five tips for improving the bottom line. Well, first of all, Shannon, we have to talk about true pricing. Everything starts with your pricing strategy, right? A company's pricing strategy is the approach that you take when setting the price for your products or services. And Shannon, we know that setting prices is one of the most difficult tasks 
for all entrepreneurs and more importantly for women entrepreneurs, right? Especially if we're selling a service because we're now valuing ourselves. right? So we first of all look to our pricing strategy. So what is a pricing strategy? We look to a number of different items in our pricing strategy. We first of all look to our competitors' pricing. How much are our competitors pricing or charging for the same item, product or service? So look to your competitors. What are they charging? How much is it costing you to produce, manufacture, or make that product or service? This is a simple task when we look to retail, for example, because we know exactly how much it costs to buy that product in order to sell it. When we're selling a service, it's a little bit more difficult because, again, we're looking to what's my value? How much value am I putting into this product or service? And one easy, simple way to look at is if I was charging somebody my time, how much time is it taking me and what should my hourly rate be? So start there. The next one is the perceived value of the product. How much value am I delivering to my customer? So it's looking at all of these items and then demand. What's the demand for my product or service? So pricing strategies, we look to our competitor pricing, the cost of producing or or providing that service, the perceived value and the demand for that product. So knowing your pricing and how to properly price your product or service. I really love that you focused on that. And I, I think about all the conversations that we've had with women entrepreneurs over the years and pricing is such a difficult one for women. And I, I think you, you said it right. There's so many more women who are involved in service-based businesses and it's putting that dollar value on our time and feeling really confident about that. I really have yet to meet someone who is super cool. Ah, that's not true. Evelyn Aka, who you interviewed was an amazing entrepreneur who talked about knowing her value and being and not being scared to charge it, even when she changed her business model. So there's another podcast. If you want to go back, if you're struggling with pricing, that's a great podcast uh, to listen to. So pricing, obviously really important. So your first tip is built around knowing your pricing, making sure your pricing is generating the kind of that you're charging a fair price for your product. And I really like that it's you know, looking at your competition as well, because at some point the market will only sustain a certain dollar value on that product. So great point there, Shauna. What's next? What's our next tip? So we need to understand our true costs. So when we look to costs, there's two different types of costs that we look at. The first one is direct, and then there's indirect. So let's start with direct, right? So every business owner needs to know what it costs to produce manufacture, buy or sell their product or service. So these are your direct costs. So again, retail, really easy. You know how much it's costing you to buy that product, which also includes shipping charge. Because if if we don't understand our true cost, it's very difficult to then know our pricing strategy. So let's, let's look at an example. Say we're selling candles. We're selling our candle for $15 each. It's costing us $5 for the wax and the wick. for the jar and $5 for the labor. So all direct costs to make that candle. So now our total cost to make that candle is $15, but we're only selling it for $15. That leaves us nothing to pay for administrative expenses. So these are the indirect costs. So those are the keep the doors open lights on that I like to say. So again, the importance of understanding your direct cost, how much does it costing you to make deliver that product or service? Such an important point that you have made there on the direct cost, because I don't think we tend to, it doesn't feel intuitive to separate. I think most of us just want to lump everything all together, but you're right. You have to understand 
just what it costs to bring this to life. Okay. So going on to your indirect costs and Shauna that you're about to go to. You bet. So every business owner also needs to know how much it's costing you to run the business on a day-to-day basis. So these are your indirect costs, things like rent, administrative and owner salaries, again, paying yourself, (laughs) office supplies, utilities, all of these items that it's costing you, regardless of how much you're selling, these are your day-to-day cost of running that business. Because when you know how much it costs to run the day-to-day operations, you then know how much you need to sell in order to pay to keep the doors open and the lights on. So the difference between direct and indirect costs. this episode is resonating with you and inspiring you to dive deeper into your own business financial journey, check out our online learning options on our website at thefinancecafe.ca to learn more about our transformational programming. Plus, we're giving our valued listeners an exclusive 10% savings when you use the code PODCAST10 at checkout. At The Finance Cafe, we want you to feel empowered by numbers and the stories that they create. That's why we've created a business financial learning platform that will help you see you and your business in a new light, one number and one story at a time. You started your business to make a difference. We did too. Now there's another word in here that we haven't brought up, which is cost of goods sold. Some people might see it as COGS on their income statement. So what is that? So COGS also referred to as direct costs. Again, the accounting world, we love to interchange words and use different words, but when you see COGS or cost of goods sold, that is your direct cost. Again, the cost to produce, manufacture, or make that product or service, bringing it to market. So grab that income statement if you have one in front of you and take a look at your at the, what Shauna just talked about. Take a look at these different types of costs. Where are they sitting? That's a really great time to get familiar with that breakdown that Shauna just went over. Okay, so know your pricing, know your costs. What's your next tip? Now you need to look at how efficiently you're generating that profit. If your banker or accountant says to you, How efficiently are you selling your product or service? How do you answer that? Pulling out your income statement or your profit and loss, you can calculate the gross profit margin. This is going to show you the percentage of revenues left over after you've deducted the direct costs. Now to calculate this, and I'm going to say this a couple of times, but to calculate the gross profit margin, you're going to take the total revenue, subtract your total direct or cost of goods sold, and then you're going to divide that number by total revenue. Now, I know it's hard when we're talking on a podcast, you can Google gross profit margin to get a calculation. But again, so you're going to take your total revenue, subtract your total expenses, divide that number by the total revenue. This is going to show you your gross profit margin. Now, the higher your gross profit margin, the more efficiently your company is selling its product or service. Now, I encourage you to take your income statement on a month-by-month basis and calculate that gross profit margin each month. What's happening? Is it going up? Is it going down? Why is it changing? Is it staying the same? Great. But it's looking at the calculation to show you how efficiently you're generating that revenue. Yeah. And I know these are big 
concepts and hard to sort of digest when you're listening. Probably maybe you're driving your car, you're making dinner right now, you're multitasking. But another option for you is to check out our class on profit. You can go through our full programming as well at the Finance Cafe, where we do go into how to calculate these concepts on a much deeper level, because understanding the income statement is such a vital part about running a financially healthy business. So if you're feeling like this is an area that you want to learn more at, you can, as Shauna calls it, the Google, you can always go to the Google, but you can also come to us at the Finance Cafe, where you'll be able to apply your own financial statements to the concepts on a deeper level. That's great, Shannon. I love that you brought back our our class on profit and profitability. But why is this important? Right. So we say, so we're running a more efficient company that ties directly back to the dollars. So the more efficient your company is, when we're running a higher gross profit, we have more money to pay for the indirect costs that keep the doors open lights on, which should ultimately lead to more money to reinvest in your business to achieve your goals. Thank you for covering that. Cause I just think it's such, it is kind of a heavier concept to, to grasp, but once you get it, you get it. And I think that's the, that's the beauty of this. And, you know, from a banker's point of view, when I would be sitting with a customer that didn't understand how profitable they were, you could just see sort of the desperation in that moment, because it's like, you don't know how your company is earning its profit. And even you don't know if it's, if you're doing it efficiently, if your costs are out of control, this is such a great opportunity to kind of circle back and then really feel more empowered by that information. And like I said, once you get it, you'll never forget it. That's the beauty of this. And anyone can absolutely learn it. So we've covered your pricing. We've covered your true costs. You've also touched on the importance of understanding how efficiently you're generating the profit. What's your fourth tip? This is a tough one for many entrepreneurs, especially for women entrepreneurs. And we'll talk about why, but we need to focus on collections, collecting our accounts receivables from our customers. So we can sell all the widgets, provide all the services in the world. But when we're selling those products or services on credit, so we're extending credit to our customers, if we're not getting paid, we don't have the money in our pockets to pay our suppliers, to pay our bills, to pay our employees, to pay ourselves. So we have to remember that profit is a promise. Cash is the commitment. Cash is what's in your bank. So again, we talk a lot about financial behaviors at the Finance Cafe, and we know that over 60% of women would rather talk about their own death than money. So when we talk to women entrepreneurs and we say, you know, you've got some outstanding receivables, and we'll talk about how to understand where to get that receivable number, we need to start calling them to collect that money. It's this fear base of, ooh, not really comfortable talking about money personally. So how can I now go back to this customer to say, by the way, you owe me money? It's part of of being a confident, strong entrepreneur. We need to be able to call those customers and say, I provided you with a product or service, and now I need to get paid for it. And the more often you have those conversations, the easier it's going to get. But we need to start having those, those conversations because when running a business and selling those products or services on credit, we need to be comfortable having those conversations. Shauna, so we're really talking about accounts receivables here. And so for entrepreneurs who might be on the call that don't have accounts receivables, what does it mean to offer credit to your customers? Great question, Shannon. So when we're offering credit to our customers, we're providing them with a product or service and giving them an extension to pay. So we can say, you know, you don't have to pay for 15, 30, 45 days. So we're extending them credit 
they take that product or service and are paying us at a later point in time. So if I'm a restaurant, as an example, I'm not going to see accounts receivables in the business. But if you're a consultant, so myself, I've got another consulting company. That is an example of when I would have accounts receivable. So I am providing a service to a customer, but they might not pay me through for 30 or 90 days or 60 days, whatever the terms are, you will, you will agree to those terms. But what Sean is referring to in these collections is what happens if at that 30 days, if that's our agreement and my customer hasn't paid me, what happens? And now I have to go and collect on that. So just setting some context, because not every business is going to have accounts receivables or focus on their collections. But for those that do, this is an incredibly important point, because as Shauna mentioned, it's all great if you're providing the product, you're providing the service. But if you're not collecting on that money, you have now provided a service that you have not received payment for. So that's going to hit a different financial statement. But I think it's important to bring that in here now, Shauna, because we're talking about cash. And if you look at your income statement, you're not going to see cash on your income statement. So maybe let's just bring in where these two statements now collide in this conversation around collections. You bet. So this is where your balance sheet comes into play. And also another report and just going backwards, the importance of having accounting software, because when you're selling on credit, you need to be able to pull an accounts receivable listing that is going to provide you the details of who owes you money, how much they owe you and how long they've owed you that money. So your aged accounts receivable report can be pulled from your accounting software and it should be looked at on a monthly basis, providing you're selling on credit. If, you, if you're only providing cash-based services, you won't have an accounts receivable report, um, but an important tool for those listeners who are selling on credit looking at that aged receivable report. Now, Shannon mentioned another statement called the balance sheet, right? The balance sheet is where we can see the total number of accounts receivable outstanding to us. So this is where we need, A, we'll look at that number, but we need the details of that number, which can be found on the aged accounts receivable report. So another tool that you should be looking at on a monthly basis to make sure that you're collecting from your customers, because if we're not collecting from our customers, we're now giving them permission to use us as a bank. Right? And we don't want to be used as a bank. We want to make sure that if we're extending credit to our customers, they're paying us in our agreed upon time. So Shannon, from a banker's perspective, how important is it for entrepreneurs to be focusing on these collections? Yeah, Shauna, that is such a great question. And I'm glad that you asked it because accounts receivables are one of those items that might trigger a line of credit for you. So important, just I don't want to get too in the weeds here on this, but if you have accounts receivables, maybe now is a time to be talking to your banker about a line of credit because a line of credit will help bridge some of that timing gap between when you have to uh, pay out money in your company and your companies or customers are paying you. So if there's that timing gap, just to know that a line of credit that might, this here's a little bit of a, a planting a seed for, is this the time to start thinking about how some of the lending products fit in? So thanks for asking that. Love that, Shannon. And again, the importance of building those relationships with your banker, which is another conversation, but. <laughs> All right. So your fifth tip, and I know this is your favorite one. Oh, you know, I'm a numbers person, so I love watching trends and seeing what's happening. But every entrepreneur needs to know how you're trending from previous years because everything is relative. 
So in a previous five tip episode, we talked about the importance of leveraging technology. And I've said it a number of times in this podcast, when you're using accounting software, you now have the ability to print your profit and loss statement and giving you that real-time data to compare results from the current month to the prior month, from the current quarter to a previous quarter, and year over year. And more importantly, it also allows you to compare your real-time results to your budget, which I know every listener on this podcast has prepared a budget. It's going to... Donna's is joking because we know that two-thirds of entrepreneurs don't have a budget. But if you're one of those two-thirds, you should have a budget. (laughs) Your budgets are your goals. Right. So being able to compare your real time up to date data to your goals to say, my goal was to make $75,000 this year and I achieved that or I exceeded that. How exciting is that? How empowering is that when you can see those milestones that you set for yourself? So using technology to be able to compare your current data to your budget, so empowering. I know you and I, we, I know we, we kind of joke, jokingly talk about the budget in that regard, because we know it's something that most people hate to do. And women in particular really don't like to do the budgeting because there's just so much wrapped around emotionally around budgeting. But I love that you called it the goals. And if, you know, if you did miss our segment earlier in the year on uh, creating financial goals, that really does tie back to the budget. So some great tips there. All right. Well, closing in on this five tip on improving bottom line, Shauna, you gave us so many great resources and so many things to look at. And I really love how you broke down, again, the importance of that top line and the bottom line. So just so important as we start to see the story of our business start to unfold. This is where this is where the story really comes to life. I love your five tips. I'm going to recap them quickly, but know your true pricing, know your true costs, know how efficiently you're generating your profit. If you have collections, Focus on those accounts receivables collections. And last, know how you're trending from previous years so that you can see how you're moving the dial in your company and see what's changing in the business. Are you more productive? Are you more efficient in the way that you're creating your use and generating that profit? So Shauna, so many great tips. Thank you so much for that. And as always, we invite our listeners to share some of your favorite tips with us on social media. And if any of these questions or any of these tips, you find that you're struggling, do come to us as a resource. We have classes that focus on these concepts, but also don't be scared to talk to your banker or to your accountant. So we will see you next time at the Finance Cafe, everyone. Thanks for joining in again. Thank you for listening to the Finance Cafe podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. And to ensure you never miss a new episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. If you'd like to stay connected with us, you can find us on social at the Finance Cafe official or on our website at thefinancecafe.ca. See you again next week for another episode of the Finance Cafe podcast.